The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Laura acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to the elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Hello and welcome to Brand New Little People, the podcast where we talk about all things early parenting with a particular focus on sleep, settling and crying in the first few years. We are your hosts, Dr. Fallon Cook and Dr. Laura Conway. We are paediatric sleep clinicians at Infant Sleep Australia and founders of Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic, Zombal. We're going to dive into the nuance of early parenting, journeying into the gray areas between the black and white advice that we often hear as new parents. To do this, we'll draw on our experiences both in the clinic, from our PhDs in early child development, and also our experiences as parents. Laura, we've been friends for years, but I don't think I've ever really heard you talk much about your experience being pregnant. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, thanks, Fallon. Uh, Well, as you know, I've got two children. Um, They're a bit older now. One is 13 and one's 11. Um, uh, So my pregnancies with them were quite a long time ago now, but I do remember being so excited Mm. when I found out that I was uh, pregnant for the first time. um, Nothing like that feeling is there. Like, it's just, oh, my God, it's actually happened. That's right, yeah. yeah. And... um, I had been trying for a little while to get pregnant and um, I'd grown up in a house where my mum was a midwife. So Uh. I spent a lot of time um, after school going to my mum's work um, on labour ward and um, kind of surrounded by the the whole idea of childbirth and um, caring for women who are pregnant and all my mum's stories over the years. So I was so excited when it was my turn. Um, but I was on the other side of the world. Yeah, because you, you grew up, is it near London in England? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you raised your family over here in Australia. That's right. So it was really exciting. I found out that I was pregnant whilst I was in England on oh. a holiday. Uh, so I was able to tell my mum and my dad face to face. Oh, Literally. like straight away. You just yeah. couldn't hold it in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Literally <laughs> yeah, with a pregnancy enough. test in my hand. <laughs> And then, you know, my mum was so excited. I was the first of her children to be pregnant. Oh, right. So they were becoming grandparents. Yeah. Awesome. So my mum then flew out to Australia to come and do the hospital tours with me. She was really interested to see what maternity units were like. Oh, yeah. Over here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, So it was a really nice um, experience to share with my mum. Yeah, yeah. And did you get, you know, lots of morning sickness or did you have a fairly easy time of things? Um, I didn't particularly enjoy being pregnant. I was very tired a lot of the time Mm. and I felt quite nauseous for at least half of the pregnancy um, and would have to eat crackers and (laughs) mandarins. um, Pull out the saladas. Yeah, yeah, lots of saladas. That's right, yeah, to... um, 
keep the nausea at bay. But yeah. I think that that was nothing compared to what you experienced oh, with your yeah. pregnancy. I went through the ringer. I was thinking about when you were chatting about how you also were addicted to mandarins during pregnancy as one <laughs> of your kind of safe foods that you could keep down. And I was much the same, but for me it was tinned peaches and yeah, I mean, I've never eaten so many tin peaches in my life. I'm surprised I didn't give birth to a peach. <laughs> Have you but, um, eaten any tins? Oh, I rarely eat since? them now. <laughs> no, I've had my fill for several lifetimes over, I think. Um, but, yeah, I had hyperemesis um, gravidarum. Gravid- yeah, gravidarum, I think it is. Um, so I was really, really sick. I, yeah, I, I mean, I had three pregnancies. Um and it just got worse every time and so everyone sort of said oh it might be better next time around sometimes it is but not for me so with my first I was very violently ill I think it was still about 15 weeks along with my second yeah it was about 25 weeks and then with my third it was the whole way to the end and um she was born early at 35 weeks so yeah it was um it was actually horrendously challenging, really difficult to manage that level of illness when you're trying to to work and raise other children as yes. well. So, and often yeah. people um, just assume morning sickness, or oh, it's just feeling a little bit nauseous in the morning, but mm. that's not what you experienced no, at all. No, no, it was something else altogether. And that was really challenging, actually, because everybody you know, would say, how are you feeling? And I'd be like, well, I feel like absolute rubbish. <laughs> Thanks for asking. But then you get all the, oh, well, have you tried, you know, drinking ginger beer? Mm. Have you have you tried the, what was it, the um, motion sickness bands or something for your arms? I mean, I tried absolutely everything, absolutely everything yep. that was available. Um, and in the end, I needed to go on a special medication um, to help with it, which did help. Um, but there were no days where I just felt normal. Oh, um, or, you know, I'd never had the glow. I just had that that sickly, <laughs> sweaty sheen of someone who's been vomiting up everything and the yeah, the um the burst blood vessels and the eyeballs looking oh, like a zombie. Grief. Yeah, it was it was pretty horrible. But anyway, they arrived in the end. Oh, <laughs> it but that is on on the end. on the back of months of feeling really nauseous it feels very unfair that you then have a newborn to take care of you when know, you have been sick for so long well the funny thing with hyperemesis is that I don't know if this is the case for everybody but for me anyway the minute my babies were born I felt better like oh. the minute I just went wow. oh thank god it's just it's passed yes. I don't know if the new baby is such a big distraction you forget all else <laughs> but I was fine and that in itself just meant I had Oh, it just felt like such an in- incredible relief um, that the the drama, or not the drama, but the the sudden adaptation you're trying to make to having a baby just seemed almost a little bit easy compared to just vomiting wow. over well, and over gosh, again. That just shows not how the- bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, then the realities of parenting kick in and the vomiting's long forgotten. Suddenly you're in the trenches with a little baby and you were telling me a story actually about bringing your babies home um, for the first time and having this dawning realisation that, oh my goodness, this is it. Tell, tell yes. us about that. Oh, well, I remember bringing um, my first baby home and walking into the sitting room and putting her down in her little car capsule in the middle of the sitting room that up until that point had been untouched by small people (laughs) and uh, getting her out for a feed, getting out of her capsule, sitting down on the couch for a feed. 
And whilst I was giving her that first breastfeed, whilst I was sitting on the couch back home going, oh my God, every two to three hours I need to feed this little person through the night (laughs) as well as through the day. And somehow the reality Mm. of that had not dawned until that point. I was, Mm. I don't know why, I just was floored suddenly that actually it's going to be weeks and weeks if not months on end of yeah. having to be the person feeding yeah and the same keeping thing keeping this child alive on repeat and yeah yeah it feels like a heavy a really heavy weight realizing that you've got this role to grow this thing you know some mm. of us have ma- you know barely managed to keep a house plant alive well yes and still <laughs> I'm looking at you here <laughs> You don't have a great track record with <laughs> no, houseplants. No, luckily, my children are still alive. <laughs> yeah, your kids are fine, thank goodness. <laughs> but no, it, it feels like it, it kind of hits you, doesn't it, when you realise, okay, this is it. It's um, it's my job now to keep these little people going. Yeah, and we try to give mm. my first a bottle, um, oh, yeah. and she just refused, refused mm. a bottle. And look, perhaps it's something I could have sought some um, professional support for Mm. um but um i didn't and we tried my partner and i tried everything we could um, to encourage her to take a bottle and she wouldn't and or couldn't um and that meant that there was no time off the hook for me yeah right so were you guys sort of trying to get introduce a bottle so that then you can have a break yeah 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 that's right share it a little bit more yes yeah yeah and sometimes they just are so reluctant aren't they they just they don't want to do it and it can just you know if you're the breastfeeding parent it can feel yeah really hard sometimes knowing you've just got to be there but you know I mean we say all the things like it's not forever but when you're there sometimes it, it can feel really tough yeah, yeah, that's and right. And your family were mostly back overseas by the time. Yeah, your that's right. Arrived, yep. So. so I was by myself, and my in-laws um, lived um, far away, so we didn't have any mm. family support. So it was um, a challenging time, to say yeah. the least. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have you know family nearby either, and I think what what you don't realize is going to be the challenge is just those times when you know you wake up and you've got a horrible head cold. You just have no choice but to get out of bed and mm. get on with it. And when you don't have someone to call and say, hey, can you just come around and hold the baby for a bit because I really want to shower or I feel like hell and I need to go to the doctor, you just don't have that option. And that is really challenging, especially when they're so little that you don't, you, know, you might not have engaged a babysitter yet or a nanny mm. or have childcare options either. Um, now, yeah, you mentioned yeah. earlier, Fallon, that um, your third baby was born early. So mm. you had even more struggles than many because yes. um, number three arrived at, did you say 35 weeks? Yeah, she was born at, at 35 weeks. And somehow I just knew she wasn't going to hang in there until 40 weeks. I just knew, I had it in my head that she just, I wouldn't get to 36 weeks and I can't explain it. I'll never be able to explain mm. it, but I just kind of felt like she would arrive early. And it's... Um, it's a really, it's totally unexpected when you have a baby who's premature and she was born and she was in very good health and we overall had a really good run of things. So mm. she was in hospital for, I think it was about a week um, we were in there. Was she in special care nursery? Yeah, yeah. 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 So she had some feeding issues. So she started out being tube fed um, and then we sort of managed to breastfeed for a while. 
Um, but it's a funny thing when you have this tiny little premature baby because I don't know, I've never spoken to parents about this, but one of the things that really stood out to me was even though it's incredibly stressful and you never think you're going to be the parent of a premature baby, you mm. just don't really think that that will be you um, having to go through that experience in NICA or special care. But there was also this funny little part of me that I'd look at her and she was just tiny and precious. Mm. And I would think it's kind of weirdly this incredible privilege to get to see this baby now. Yeah, what most people don't get to. Yeah, most people don't get to see their baby when they're this tiny. And I'm so glad, you know, she she was in good health. She was feeding okay. So we didn't have all the worries of, you know, if she was unwell. I'm so glad, yeah, she wasn't. She wasn't unwell, but even, I guess what I'm trying to say is even despite all of those, those things, you know, that she was fairly well and she started to gain weight okay, it's still just enormously stressful and not mm. that beginning that you think you're mm. going to have. And I, my time being in hospital ran out, so I stayed at a, um, I don't even know how to describe it, it was like this cheap accommodation sort of within the hospital grounds mm. where I could stay for a few nights um, because I had to go in and feed her so often. But I was such a long way from home. We were an hour from the hospital where we lived. My older two um, had never, I don't think they'd ever been away from me for a night because we didn't have that family support. They were used to me always mm. being there. Um, and being so far from home with all my hormones doing these crazy <laughs> wild things, I just cried oh. all the time. Oh, you <laughs> like, thing. I was so emotional Aww. and it just, it wasn't what I had expected to happen. And your uh, partner, presumably your partner was with your other two. Yeah, he yeah. was with, with the boys um, all the time. Um, my mum came up to help at that point, which was great. Um, to help him. Yeah, to yeah. help him. Yeah. So you were by boys. yourself. Yeah, I was in the hospital on my own oh. most of the time. I'll never forget, actually, a neighbour. I just didn't expect it to happen, but suddenly our neighbour walked into the room. This most wonderful, kind and generous person and she walked in with flowers and a gift for the baby and I just couldn't believe it It was just it was just so so lovely it's those little acts of kindness that really made me feel really supported um at that time because yeah it is such a a big big shock um and how long um was it until you were able to take baby number three home yeah it wasn't that long I think honestly it was I think it was just over a week. It might have been eight days or something, which just sounds like nothing. But I, I, I have a special place in my heart for parents of premature babies because mm. I know that you know we got off pretty easily, and I know mm. it could have been that much more complicated. Um, we could have been in there so much longer. But I think about my experience and how difficult that was, and I, my heart just goes out to parents of premature babies. It is mm. really, it's a really difficult thing to go through, and I mean, then you've also got. I think this is what we don't realize is that when your baby's born premature, you have a baby in the newborn phase for a really long yes, time. So of instead course. of having the usual kind of four to eight weeks of newborn behavior where they're feeding a lot, um, you know, waking really often, you get it for however extra um, yeah, amount of time they were born early. So for me, it was you know, an extra five weeks of the newborn phase. <laughs> of that feeding yeah. every two hours overnight. Yeah. I would was, have been very, very yeah. upset. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was really 
really tough because I think that newborn phase where you're waking up all the time you're often kind of running on a little bit of excitement like there's a part of you initially that's like oh yay the baby let's go see the baby <laughs> let's get them up and feed them and that quickly kind of wears off and you're like oh gosh this is really tiring and yeah it just went on and on and on for me and I remember being at like week seven or eight of just round the clock feeds and thinking I don't think I've ever felt so exhausted in my life mm. Like I don't, I rarely got, you know, a couple of sleep cycles in a row. Because you also had the other two yeah, children to yep. look after who were, were toddlers. Toddler yeah, so my eldest was in prep. Um, so we had to you know, drive and do the school drop off and pick up um, with my middle child who was three years old and a premature baby and like most people's partners my husband had to go back to work reasonably quickly Mm -hmm. so it was trying to get them up out the door in the car feeding in the most wild places oh I bet (laughs) on the side of the road I reckon all over the state you know (laughs) just fed that baby everywhere so many car feeds and because that's the thing with a premature baby you know when they need to feed you just have to stop everything and feed them yes yeah so yeah it was a bit of a circus but um but you know it's yeah there's there's tough times whenever a baby arrives but I think there's also obviously a lot of joy that comes with that as well and seeing you know my older kids really love being the older siblings was really lovely I say that uh, with my third they really enjoyed her arrival but I think with um definitely when my second came along (laughs) that was a that was a big shock for my firstborn and for me. Uh, yes, going from one to two is yes. um, a very steep learning curve. Oh, my goodness. I think I found that transition from one child to two children harder than adjusting to just having a first baby. Like, I, I remember someone saying, oh, I think it was some celebrity or something probably, but they were saying when you have one child, it feels like you have one child, but when you have two, it feels like you have 20. Yeah. <laughs> in a circus yeah yeah it's so true you're on a unicycle yeah you're not just adding (laughs) an extra person the dynamic between everybody changes you know really drastically changes um and as a parent of just the two I often hear parents say oh you don't know you're alive until you've had the third or the fourth but for you it was the the I felt like it was harder yeah going from one to two when you adjust to having two, you're kind of used to your house just being, I often say it's like I live inside a children's party. <laughs> <laughs> There's people shouting, music's playing somewhere, someone's spilled something on the floor. Someone's it's, fallen over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Someone's crying and we don't know why. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> a circus. You. you add another baby to the mix and it's like, it's just, it's still just a circus. It's yeah. still just busy. And I hear people saying they've had four kids and they're like, oh, once you have two or three, it's just... Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm not having any more. <laughs> Three's no, my limit. <laughs> me neither. Two's my limit. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, maybe we'll wrap up this episode. Um, we're going to be recording a new podcast every week. And people who have joined the Sombal Online Pediatric Sleep Clinic will be able to send us in questions. So we're going to be talking through, um, you know, answering a lot of questions from parents, mm-hmm. probably with a bit more of a bent on the sleeping, the settling, mm-hmm. the crying side of things. Um, so if you're a member of Sombell, don't forget to send us through a question um, and we'll be chatting about all sorts of things. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. If 
you need help with your baby's sleep or settling, then you need Sombell. Sombell is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic for babies aged 0 to 12 months. It contains all the best resources from Dr. Fallon and Dr. Laura's sleep clinics, so you can rest easy and soak in your baby. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.